This is the Rod Langway Fan Club. Welcome, everybody, to the Rod Langway Fan Club Podcast. I am your host, Jeff Roman, along with my co-host, John Snowden. Hello, everybody. And Mark Chechnita. I'm melting into a pile of goo, but I'm glad to be bored. Yes, that's right. This is our summer edition, which is something we don't usually do. But there were a lot of deals on July 1st, Free Agency Day and Canada Day. Yeah, it was a pretty wacky day, actually. And uh, I think we should probably start with the wackiest, most unexpected move of all. And that was an offer sheet. It was finally tendered five years since the last one. The Montreal Canadiens made a wild stab at Sebastian Ajo. Yeah, what do we think about this year, guys? Uh, pretty unexpected, crazy stuff. Yeah, I don't mind. Uh, you know, I don't mind their effort at least. It didn't doesn't seem like it will work out. Sounds like Carolina will probably match it. Yeah, it's going to be matched for sure. Uh, I like the concept. I think they chose a pretty good target, but I just don't think they pushed it far enough. I think they would have had to go up at least one more level, get into the two first rounders, second rounder, third rounder, maybe come in around 10.5 million. That might have had a chance to work, but I don't know. I just think that. If you're going to make that kind of a move, you got to go all in, and they didn't. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would totally agree. I think Carolina is really, really looking to to sign Aho. They need him. He's the cornerstone of their franchise, and as a franchise that's on the up and up, you know, made it to the conference conference final very unexpectedly, and uh, you know, they're playing with house money right now. If they could sign him, um, you know, the sky's the limit for this team. So, do you guys think that this will become the norm? Will we start seeing more offer sheets to restricted free agents? I mean, there are a lot of big names out there still unsigned. I mean, Patrick Liney, Mitch Marner, uh, Kyle Connor. Sure. Um, but I don't know. I just think it's really hard under the current system to actually get someone through the restricted free agency route. I mean, you really have to make a ridiculous offer. And in a salary cap world, who can afford to overpay that much and give up all of the compensation as well? I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, it's a risky move. I, I can't see too many teams doing it. There is talk about it, but I don't expect to see it. Especially, it seems like this isn't going to work with Aho, so it kind of sets an example saying, like, oh, it's probably not worth your effort. Well, let's move on to the free agent class. And the biggest fish in the pond was Artemi Panarin, who ends up with the New York Rangers. Aren't they rebuilding? Yeah, they just can't help themselves. They always got to go for the biggest fish, eh? I don't know. I think their rebuild is... is Entered phase two for sure now, uh, getting the second pick overall with Kako and Panarin, and then getting Jacob True in that trade as well. They're they're looking like a playoff contender now. Yeah, I mean, they've added two guys in their prime, and then, you know, one of the best uh, guys in the draft. So, yeah, it's looking good. And I think that division is going to be a little bit soft, too. You look at some of the teams in that division. Washington might be in a holding pattern, possibly moving down a bit. Pittsburgh, same thing. Um the Devils will be better. I think the Islanders might not be as good. So I think this is an opportunity for the Rangers to get into the top three spots in the division. Who would you guys say would be the next biggest uh, free agent that signed? Oh, probably um, fellow former Columbus Blue Jackets, Sergei Bobrovsky. Huge move. The Florida Panthers, yeah. That's the one thing Florida has been lacking is that steady presence in that. And I know Luongo had a great career, but with the injuries over the past few seasons, he wasn't the answer for them anymore. Yeah, I can't wait to see how uh, Bobrovsky does there. Um, a bit of a goaltending carousel. Uh, Simeon Varlamov ends up with the New York Islanders. Robin Leonard goes to the Chicago Blackhawks. That's weird. Well, that's that's actually somewhat related to Panarin. I think that the Islanders were trying to get Panarin and Varlamov to share an agent, and that was the thought that it would be a kind of a package deal. Uh, so they were focusing their attention on Varlamov, which I think ended up being a mistake in the end. They didn't get Panarin, and now I think they've downgraded in net. 
Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, you know, they definitely were after Panarin. Apparently, they offered him a better offer than the Rangers did, but Panarin made the choice, a lifestyle choice, he said. Uh, yeah. yeah. So. Well, the only good thing uh, out of that was that Anders Lee re-signs the New York Islanders. Yeah, so they keep their captain, and he's, he's a great player. Um, but yeah, I would agree. Probably the Islanders uh, downgrade a little bit. They lose, you know, one of the best goalies from last season. And uh, get Varlamov. Yeah, and then um, the Alberta teams, they've sort of switched goaltenders. Yeah. Um, the Edmonton Oilers sign Mike Smith, and the Calgary Flames sign Cam Talbot. Of course, Talbot had the stop-off in Philadelphia that was, uh, well, it wasn't much to talk about, so let's not. But um, yeah, it's, it's a little odd. I think for Calgary, I guess they still think Talbot has some upside, and he might push Riddick and maybe have a nice one-two combo there, but I'm not sold on that move. And what about the Matt Duchesne signing in Nashville? Yeah, well, they needed uh, some offensive punch. They obviously got rid of uh, P.K. Subban to make room for him. Yeah, what a massive yeah. trade that so, was. You know, it's a, it's a nice fish to, to, to land. Yeah, but, but is he a 1A center who's going to change a franchise? I mean, he's a nice player as a complimentary piece. I just don't think he's a franchise guy. Yeah, well, they've got him and Rijo. Um, that's sort of a nice one-two punch. But where does Kyle Turris fit in on all this? Mm, yeah. Well, they could look at maybe moving him. Uh, that's a lot of money to pay in a third-line center. But he's still got a lot of term left on that deal, so it could be a hard contract to move. Yeah, I mean, the central division, I think, has really improved. And I don't think Nashville has really improved enough to, to remain at the top of that division. Is is their window still open to win a Stanley Cup? or Rene's not getting any younger, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, but they did need some offensive punch, and this gives them that. The Dallas Stars were very busy in free agency, and they picked up Joe Pavelski. Yeah, great pickup. What do we think about this? I mean, I don't know if I would have gone three years with him. Yeah. Um, at the same time, though, Dallas feels like they're ready to make a push, and what better guy to grab than a, a proven performer like Joe Pavelski? Yeah, and a, a playoff beast. Yes. Right? And can play in every every situation. He's a great guy to have. I think that, uh, that Dallas is really looking like this as their time to win. They are a playoff team, and I think they probably will continue to be, especially with the moves they've made. Were you guys surprised that Dallas uh, picked up Corey Perry? Yes, a little bit. Um, I believe it was just for a year. Just well, I think year. it fits. It's it's a you know a very manageable cap hit. Yeah. One year kind of show me deal. I think he's got something to prove, and if he's put in the right spot, he could definitely be a contributor on that team. Yeah, I, I just think it might be a bit too late for Perry. The guy just can't really move anymore, and with the way his speed has taken over in the league, he's probably going to be a, a few bricks too heavy out there on the ice. I don't know. I look at it as kind of a replacement for Jason Spezza, kind of a guy who can play on your power play units and chip in a little bit of offense. Mm. So I think if you're looking at it from that perspective, it's an upgrade on Spezza. Yep. Um, and what about uh, Zuccarella, who ends up in Minnesota? I was a little surprised about this one. Yeah, Minnesota is one of those tweener teams where it's just kind of like, guys, how about you just tear down and start a rebuild? Like, what are you doing here, getting these second-tier free agents just so you can hover around the playoff bubble and not get a good draft pick and not really make a run. It just, yeah. it's weird. Yeah, I, I think they're a team without an identity right now, and I don't expect them to make the playoffs. I agree. It's probably time for them to to, to mail it in. And, pick a and, path. And, yeah, pick a path, and probably they should go for the rebuild. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's been a pretty busy summer for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, they've done some trades and some buyouts. Um, they traded Patrick Marlowe to the Carolina Hurricanes, and, um, in, you know, for them to take this salary of $6 million, the Hurricanes get back a first-round draft pick, and then they buy out Marlowe. Yeah, it, it's a win for, for the Carolina Hurricanes. And, I mean, you can argue it's a win for the Leafs because they're going to be able to, you know, sign Mitch Marner and, 
and keep their core in place, but uh, it's tough. I'm not sure I'd use the word win. I think it was, it was a necessary, necessary pill yeah. that they had to swallow, uh, given the situation that they had put themselves in with Marlowe. Um, obviously, Mitch Marner is the, the big story right now. Yes. Are they going to be able to find a number that works for him and the team? Yeah, so they've had to move out uh, Nazem Kadri, who went to the Colorado Avalanche, and the Leafs get back um, Kerfoot and Tyson Berry. Yeah, I think that was a pretty good return on Kadri, actually. I know that Barry's only got a year left on his contract, so they're going to probably see how he fits in with the team. He moves the puck well. He's got a lot of skill offensively, so I think the Leafs will be dangerous from the back end. Uh, and Kerfoot's a nice little player, too. I think he'll be a pretty decent third-line center. Obviously a downgrade from Kadri, but not a massive... Well, what do you think? Is that a massive downgrade? Um, it's a downgrade, yeah. Um, but maybe not as big as you would think, especially with Kadri having trouble with his discipline. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the, that the Leafs are just a little bit worse than they than they were last season, but I think they'll still be very competitive. Yeah, in Toronto, another you know salary dump. They ended up trading um, Connor Brown um, to the Ottawa Senators. Well, Zaitsev and, was the guy they yeah. wanted out, right? And um, Zaitsev is gone, and they bring in uh, Cody Ceci. But CC is not cheap either, though. He's going to make four and a half million, which is what Zaitsev was making. So I guess the question is, how much better will CC be than Zaitsev was last season? Yeah. Um, yes, but they get out of that. Um, what they had six years left on the Zaitsev deal. Yeah, no. sure. So going going forward, definitely a lot more flexibility in in the coming years. So yeah, I mean, all of this stuff sort of points in the direction of uh, the the salary cap problems that a lot of teams have had. There have been so many moves just to so clear many. space for some of the big signings. Well, sure, everyone thought the cap was going to go up, and then it barely moved, and a lot of people weren't ready for it. So it was a bit of a mad scramble around the uh, draft time and uh, up until the free agency period. Yeah. So I mean, what do we think about this? This is this is obviously going to continue going. There are a lot of big free agents coming up. I think in twenty twenty two, it's going to be a huge year. We're going to see more and more of this kind of stuff in the NHL. Yeah, the cap crunch has been really severe this summer. I don't think that that P.K. Subban deal would have happened. Well, no, that was crazy. I mean, an all-star defenseman traded for two second-round picks and a couple of nobodies. Unbelievable. Yeah, and, and same with the Jacob Truba deal, another good defenseman in the prime of his career getting traded for probably less than market value because of the cap crunch. Sure, although apparently the Vancouver Canucks did not get the memo as they... Yeah. Decided to pony up a first and a third round pick to get JT Miller, 50-point guy max. Yeah, I mean, Vancouver has a history of making strange deals like that. Now, despite this cap crunch, it still didn't prevent some teams from just throwing around money. Um, what do you guys think are some of the, the worst free agent signings this summer? Well, for me, there's, there's one standout, and that's the Kevin Hayes contract. Oh, yeah. uh, it's, With the Philadelphia Flyers. Well, it's problematic for two reasons. First of all, this guy is not a $7 million player. And second of all... For seven years, that's a long amount of time. And for a team that has so many young players who are coming up who are going to need bigger contracts pretty soon, I just, I don't see that working out for Philadelphia at all. Yeah, I agree. He's a fine player, but he's nowhere near an elite player. I, I just don't think it's going to work out, especially as you say, cap crunch is going to be coming soon for these guys. And uh, we talked about the Vancouver Canucks, though. They made a bit of a head scratcher. Um, Tyler Myers, six years, six million. Yeah, I mean, they're not a team who's trying to go over the top and make a run for a cup. I just don't see the value for this. You know, what's what's it going to do? Make them finish 11th in the conference instead of 13th? Like, what? 
what do they get out of this? Yeah, it is a head scratcher again. The Vancouver Canucks not knowing where they're at in their rebuild. Uh, I think it's gonna it's gonna come back to bite them this one. I do. He's a fine defenseman, former Winnipeg Jet, of course. But is he even a guarantee? You know, he's not a top pairing guy. He's arguably barely a third defenseman. Maybe he's a fourth. I think he's probably a third on that team, and you're sure. I think, but you're overpaying for a third defenseman of that caliber. And what about the Pittsburgh Penguins? Yeah, um, they made a bit of a surprise move. They signed Chris Tanev, to, Brandon Tanev. Sorry, Brandon Tanev. Yeah. Um, to a six-year deal. Well, of the Tanevs, he's the more desirable one. But uh, yeah, I mean, three point five million for six years for a guy like that is just. Again, he's a good energy player, but that's a lot of money to be playing a guy on your bottom half. I, I totally agree. I love him. He's a great player, but too much. I mean, he's, it's too much to pay for this guy. Um, and especially a team like the Pens, who need to value every single cent against sure, the cap. Sure, um, I think they're paying him too much. Yeah, the idea yeah. was right. It just the execution wasn't. Yeah. But this is the world we're living in now. I mean, you overpay for people every year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah some teams never learn, I guess. Yeah, it's funny that all three of the guys we just mentioned had something to do with the Winnipeg Jets, right? Hayes, Tyler Myers, and uh, Brandon Tanner. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And the Jets are having a a massive cap crunch, and we had to shed all three of those guys. Yeah, it's definitely going to set the team back a little bit, but I still think the Jets will be uh, a competitive team next year. Another uh, big thing that happened this summer was the Phil Kessel trade. He finally leaves Pittsburgh and ends up in Arizona for Alexander Galchenyuk. What do you guys think? I mean, I think it's a downgrade for Pittsburgh, but of course we, we know the, the highly publicized uh, problems between uh, Mike Sullivan and Phil Kessel. So I suppose in, from, you know, from that angle, it's a, it's a good thing for Pittsburgh. And Galchenyuk is a guy who, who has a chance now to show what kind of player he is. I mean, he can't get it done with Malkin or Crosby. We kind of know where he stands. Yeah, and if this is a contract year for him as well, so he's going to come in motivated and he's going to have every opportunity to succeed with Malkin and Crosby. Yep. as his centerman. So I could I could see a career year out of Alex Galchenyuk this season for the Penguins. Yep. And how about how about Kessel? How is he going to do down there? I think this is a this is a good move for Arizona. It shows that they're serious about winning. This is a, you know, a well-known player, a point per game guy. Um he knows Rick Tockett. Tockett's gotten the best out of him in the past. So I, for Arizona, I think it makes sense. The thing I worry about with Kessel is he's now on the other side of 30. And he's not really known as a fitness guru. Uh, likes to spend his time in the casinos and the horse track. Uh, so uh, I don't know. He might not uh, have the best second half of his career. Yeah, he is a he is a sniper through and through for sure. And Arizona was in desperate need of goals. And it, you know, in some ways, it could be a good for, fit for him. He's not a big spotlight kind of player. He doesn't play well under the spotlight. And down there in Arizona, I think uh, there's probably nowhere else out of the spotlight like like. Arizona. They've got great casinos down there too, I've been told. Uh (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Careful, Phil. Well, before we sign off here, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the St. Louis Blues winning the Stanley Cup. Finally, the franchise gets their first cup. What a playoff it was. What a season it was. I mean, halfway through the year, they were last, dead last. They were talking about a fire sale, trade this guy, trade that guy. And then, boom, Jordan Bennington comes out of nowhere and pretty much saves their season. Yeah. And and Craig Berube as well. I mean, he, you know, the co- coaching change really spurred yeah. that team. He pushed right. all yeah. the right buttons. Yeah. And uh, Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah. What, what a smart winner. Yeah. Yeah. Great acquisition. Uh, looking back on that trade now, they got a pretty good deal out of that, didn't they? They gave up, what, Tage Thompson, who's a pretty good prospect. Um, 
Patrick Berglund looks like his career could be nearing an end here. Yeah. Um, and a few other parts, but uh, good value for St. Louis. Yes. Yes, huge, huge. What a crazy first round that was. In the playoffs, I, I can't remember anything like it. I mean, everybody had Tampa Bay. Everybody thought that they were going to win that series. And most people thought they were going to win the Cup. And they didn't win a game. Yeah, that has to be one of the biggest upsets in NHL history. Yeah. I mean, it was shocking, shocking stuff. Tough times for the uh, the higher seeds. They all lost. Every single one of them lost, which has never happened in any of the big four sports. But that's kind of what you want in a salary cap league, right? You want that parity. You want things to be interesting so that if you make the playoffs, you have a legitimate shot at the cup. Yeah. I mean, and it makes the league exciting. You know, you're never really down and out for all of these massive stretches of time. Teams can rebuild quickly on the fly and, and be competitors again. Um, one thing I think we need to talk about, though, is the, the style of game from the regular season in the playoffs and how much it changes because the, you know, the run and gun high flying teams with sort of the undersized forwards, you know, excelled in the regular season and come playoff time. See you later. They were out. Yes. It's a whole new set of rules. I mean, they don't follow the rules anymore in the playoffs. It's, it's more holding, it's more clutching, yeah. it's more hooking. And they've been talking now. about it for years, but they just can't get away from that tendency to, to let the rules slip in the playoffs. Yeah, St. Louis was so successful because they could play that finesse game, but they also played a very heavy game. Yeah, yeah. And well, Boston as well. Boston too. Both teams that made it to the finals were, were some of the bigger teams, right? And, well, St. I mean, Louis especially. I St. Think Louis you especially. saw it in the San Jose series. They yeah. really ground them down into a dust by the end of that series. I yeah. mean, Carlson was out. Hurdle was out. I mean, by the end of that series, there was no one left to, to put up a resistance. So yeah. St. Louis just absolutely physically dominated that team. Yeah. Yeah, it was such a great story uh, seeing St. Louis win the Cup. One of my f- most pleasant surprises of the Stanley Cup playoffs uh, this past season was the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, what a story. I mean, I can't believe it. Uh, Mr. Game 7, what a guy, Justin Williams. Yeah, it was nice to see the Carolina Hurricanes relevant again. Or should I say the Hartford Whalers? Yeah, maybe the Rod Langway Fan Club podcast deserves a little credit for their success in the postseason. Probably not, but uh, yeah, you know, a nice lie to tell yourself to pass the summer hours away. Well, boys, on that note, should we get back by the pool? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's getting hot in here. Let's yeah. uh, go get some uh, some rays and some water. Yeah, go mix me a drink there, Jeff. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I hope you guys have a great summer, and we will be back in the fall with our preseason show. Season four. Season four of the Rod Langway Fan Club podcast. Tune in, everybody. Can't wait. Hope you had yourselves a time. Well, I, I, I hope you had yourselves a time. Hope you had yourselves a time. Hope, hope you had time, time, time.